0: Good morning. morning. We've got quite a few gone today. I know that there's a lot of sickness going around and so I'm not going to belabor that very long and just appreciate that you're here. Sherry left last night and we're sorry to see her go. Blake French will be preaching for us next Sunday morning and then Sunday night he's going to preach at the Ventura Congregation. We welcome Blake and I look forward to him being here and be here to support him because he is doing an excellent job. We're going to talk about family worship today. And as was read to you in Exodus 20th chapter, verse 4 through 6, you shall not make for yourself a divine image with any form that is in the heavens above or that is in the earth below or that is in the water below the earth. You will not bow down to them, and you will not serve them, because I am Yahweh, your God, a jealous God, punishing the guilt of the parents and on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those hating me, and showing loyal love to thousands of generations of those loving me and of those keeping my commandments. I'm going to try to make this sermon fairly short because we are having a business meeting. But the moral principles that are laid down in the Ten Commandments are universal. As we said last week, one of the things that you notice about the Ten Commandments, in the New Testament he says that 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 was written upon stone is done away. But that we take the real meaning of that and put it into our hearts because God writes it there upon our heart. They describe the very character of God. I don't know whether you realize that or not, but when you look at the Ten Commandments, they're telling you what God is like, that God is that way. He is very faithful to everything, and he doesn't know of any God that is before him. In fact, there is no other God beside him. He will tell you that I will be faithful to you in everything that I do. Morality is historically... Relevant in all generations. I don't care where you go. You will find that men will not tolerate you taking their wives. When you look at that, God says that everywhere there there is, that morality standard is there. Even the Gentiles in uh, Romans 2 says that they have upon their conscience those things that are contained in the Ten Commandments, the moral things. So it's settled by the word of God that we settle everything by the word of God, and that's what's called authority. And in the truest sense, we do not break the Ten Commandments, but rather when we walk contrary to them, they break us. So if you're not living with that spiritual attitude of the Ten Commandments, something is wrong. When you think about morality, the law of morality always gives you strength. You will not find a weak person. In fact, it's called virtue in the Bible. Whenever you have the Ten Commandments as your guiding posts, you will find that that person is walking right and in harmony with God. And when God says, Thou shalt, He's saying, Help yourself with true joy. That's what the Ten Commandments are about. If you're going to do something, then it's going to give you joy. When He says, Thou shalt not, He's saying, don't hurt yourself. So we get that right at the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Last week, we talked about having false gods. And this week, the Second Commandment tells us how to worship. This is how we are to worship. It tells us not to worship in a false way. True worship is one thing, and a false worship, and many people are worshiping in a false way. One of the things about a family and why I'm tying this in with family is I can remember when I was a boy, we were not very religious in our family, but I did stay all night with a family that the father was a preacher and at night they would sit there around the table and they would talk about God and then somebody would read a passage and then they would ask the family, what do you think about this? What do you think this really means? And they would go from the littlest child on up, and I could see that the family was a family that worshiped together, and I have always admired that. God alone is worthy of worship. Not any angel, not any man, not any priest, not any rabbi, we are not allowed to worship anything. And it's very easy to carve out in our minds our own God and worship him. Have you noticed how many people worship Mary? Well, God says there's only one God to worship. And you can not give your children anything better than to give them instruction in how to worship God. If worship does not begin at home, it usually does not begin. So let's get into the lesson. That first it requires a proper conception of God. So many people have a wrong idea of God. He is just some bearded man sitting up there in the clouds somewhere that he's going to take care of everything. We, every once in a while, when we get in trouble, we talk to him. But I need to get a proper conception in my mind about God, who he is, what he wants, and how we are to conduct ourselves in relationship to him, because this is what this is all about. It's a relationship with God. And in Psalm 115, 4 through 8, he says, talking about the ones around them, their idols are silver and gold. Does that sound familiar today, how many people are just serving silver and gold? They're serving money. They're wanting money, 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 money. That's what they think about, By like Scrooge McDuck. They're thinking about money, 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 money all the time. And what's driving you? Well, I I don't have time for my family. I've got to work, 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 work. All of that is saying something. The work of human hands. Human hands can make beautiful things to worship. Have you ever noticed the crosses? Have you ever noticed the Bibles? Have you ever... You know, we feel very holy if I'm walking around with a Bible. People say, man, that's a holy man. The Bible doesn't make you holy as you carry it around. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. They have noses, but cannot smell. They have their hands, but they cannot feel. Their feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot utter a sound in their throats. Those who make them become like them as does everyone who trusts in them. I want you to notice that particular thing. Those who make them become like them. When you think about that, if we conceive of God wrongly, we will behave wrongly. Now that's just a matter of fact. You're going to behave the way that you have carved out your God. We become like what we worship. First, the family molds the idol, and then the idol molds the family. Do you realize, and we're going to talk about the things that God makes, I mean things that man makes, but we must understand who God is and what God is alike. God forbids making anything material as an object of worship. People have asked me, what do you think about a cross? Well, I think a cross looks fine if you dislike a cross. But when that becomes an object of feeling of religious, because you have that, something is wrong. Something is wrong in your mind. People talk about the nativity scene. If you really believe that that nativity scene depicts really what happened, something is wrong. I want us to get back to really where God says he wants us to be. And that is anything material. You do not make that and worship it. You do not make that and feel very holy. We have come today to where people have said that Sunday is the Sabbath day. That could be further from the truth. The Sabbath day was Saturday. And Saturday was the day and we... This is the time that God says that we are to worship Him as a collection. And certainly we do that, but it's not a holy day. And since God is pure spirit, guess how we're supposed to worship Him? Well, He says God is spirit, And the ones who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That is, my inside, the core of me, goes out to God. I go before God. Christ and then takes it to God. And my prayer is answered. If I go any other way, if I go through Mary, if I go through John, if I go through Gary, if I go through any other way, God said that the only way, Jesus said the only way to the Father is through me. So we're going to have to go through Jesus Christ, and that's the way that we get to God. And if you go any other way, it's wrong. Nothing is like God. And I know some teach that there is. He said in Isaiah 40, 25, And to whom you will compare me, am I equal? Says the Holy One. Is there anybody equal to me? Is there any God equal to me? Now there are many gods But they're all false gods. And God said, I alone am God. Man will worship worship something even if it is himself. How many people think too highly of themselves? And God says, don't think too highly of yourself and don't think too lowly of yourself. You're in the image of God. So think of yourself in a rational way. For example, how small are you? Have you ever looked up at the stars? Have you ever looked at the amount of people on the earth and then looked at yourself? You're not even a speck. You're not even a speck, and you don't last but just a little bit. So don't think too highly. An idol is anything we love more, serve, and fear more than God. We're scared to death of men. Didn't Jesus say something about don't fear him that can kill the body, but fear him that can kill kill both body and soul in hell? This God that I serve, that idol, simply magnifies the sinner. If you want to know how big of a sinner somebody is, look at who they worship. Look at what they worship. We're going to talk about a lot of that, but I want you to notice something. Man takes his worst vices and makes them their God. Their God allows them to do whatever sin they want to do. That's why they make them the way that they make them, is because that God will allow them to do what they want. If I get my mind as the center of me that that is the object of my worship, it will allow me to do whatever I want it to do. This legitimizes the vice and it feels so right. Do you get that? It feels so right. God is saying one thing over here, but my, and we talked about it this morning, and John brought it out, but really it's like having an angel sitting over here and the devil sitting over here, and we're arguing back and forth. My body, soul, and spirit. They're not in harmony many times. Whenever I get my spirit guiding my soul, then my body is going to have to conform even though it doesn't want to. If my body is controlling my soul, then my spirit has to shut up and can't do what it's supposed to do. Did that make sense? If we understand that, then I recognize I'm going to have to come down and not just do the things that I like to do. Because many in Christianity have the idea, I can do this over here because I don't mind doing that. I can give God an hour a week. That's what I can give God. And if I can give God an hour a week, he ought to be pleased with that. And I ought to not have to listen to the other stuff that he tells me. Therefore, I've made my God, my opinion, my thinking. In Exodus 20 and verse 5, he says, You will not bow down to them and you will not serve them because I am Yahweh, your God, a jealous God, punishing the guilt of the parents on the children on the third and the fourth generations of those hating me. Now, let's understand something here. This jealousy is a loving jealousy. It is not an envying jealousy. This love is, I am jealous of Paige in that I do not want anything taking her away from me. And I'm very jealous about that. God says that he is very jealous about anything taking you away from him. And he does not tolerate it and he, is, he will fight in order to have you have serve him completely and this kind of jealousy is right because we belong to him. People today are taking objection to belonging to somebody. I belong to her, and she doesn't like it to me to say this, but I am her possession. Whether she likes it or not, I belong to her, and she belongs to me. My God belongs to me, and I belong to my God, and I don't want anything I don't want her to be in love with anybody else over me humanly. Humanly, I am to be the most important person to her. And God is supposed to be the most important to me because he is faithful to me. He says, I will never. And he puts us together and says that the church is one, doesn't he? And that the church is one... He says, that's my possession. That belongs to me, and I'm jealous. of." And we say, you know what? This is our God, and we don't want any other God. Now, if you get that kind of thinking, you got things going right. I love that idea that this is an exclusive relationship. Now, I'm not saying she doesn't love anybody else, but she doesn't love anybody like she loves me, huh. An idol always starts in the heart. Oh, and we've got so many of them. In Colossians 3, 5, Therefore put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustful passion, evil desire, and greediness, greediness, which is idolatry. You mean my greed to have, to have, to have is idolatry? And he said absolutely. That's what idolatry is. It's something that I want, I want, I want, and it's about me, it's about me, it's about me, and it's about what I am striving to do. You remember Mr. Frog and the motor car. No? You haven't heard that? Well, you haven't lived. Mr. Toad wanted a motor car. And he couldn't converse about anything else but a motor car. I want a motor car, a motor car, a motor car. I want a motor car, I want a motor car. And they'd say, well, how are you today? I want a motor car, I want a motor car, I want a motor car, I want a motor car. And you know what? That motor car was his idol. I stand amazed at how many times people make these idols. Ezekiel 14, 3, Son of Man, these men took up their idols into their heart. They placed before themselves a stumbling block of their guilt. Should I really let myself be consulted by them? And that consulting is, should I even listen to their prayers? Why would I listen to their prayers if they, in their heart, have something else? Do you think the Pharisees had a false God set up in their hearts? Honestly, when you study the Pharisees, did they have a false god set up in their heart? And what was the false god? It was the scriptures. Their interpretation of the scriptures. Do you realize how many people set the scriptures up in their mind? Their interpretation is so right that I can't be wrong and everybody ought to agree with me. Now that's a poor way to live. That means that I can't listen to anybody else. An idol can be anything. In 2 Timothy 3, 2, for people will be lovers of themselves. Now it's right to love yourself in the right way, but not to the extent that that becomes the center. Lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. All of this is saying they're setting up idols in their heart. People don't realize what they're doing. And consequently, we've got a mess. In Matthew 6, 24, no one is able to serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one, despise the other. You are not able to serve God and money. It's impossible to serve both. Either the, You know, money ought to serve us, not us serving money. And when we reverse that, we've got a mess. So he says, be very, very careful about this. God, do you realize, can be your family? My family, I love. But is that the most important thing to me? If it is, that has become my God and it rules my life. I've always been amazed. You know, somebody said one time when they were getting married, if there's a choice... Between you and my children, you will lose every time. Well, that's just backward. The most important person is not my family. It's God. Because God gave me my family. My family did not make God. But God made my family. When God is not first in your life, when your family is, you've got a real problem. When I really love God, then I will give my family what needs to be given. In Matthew 10, 37, he says, the one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and the one who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Well, that doesn't mean anything unless I really show that God is less important than my family my decisions are made and so many people make the decisions that their family god comes last or comes second and then popularity oh i just want to be popular i remember when i was in school i wanted to be popular until i got popular popularity And that happens in churches. It happens in churches that you're in the popular group and you're, I've always said that the lambs sit over here and the goats are over here. When you sit on this side of the building, there's the goats. Well, Paige, said, don't do that. I'll just change it. Here's the lambs and here's the goats. I'm teasing now. You remember what they said. It said that the people believed in Christ, yet despite that even many of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess it so they would not be expelled from the synagogue. I believe in Christ, but this is more powerful over here is I need to be popular with the Pharisees because they're the rulers in religion. Why do we care? What the people of the church say if God says something different. Now you think about that. If God says something different than what the church says, I will tell you the church is wrong every time. And we expect people to go along with us many times when they shouldn't go along with us because God is not saying that to them In the scriptures, we have to go to the scriptures. The next thing is there must be a proper communication with God. Can you imagine a relationship without any communication? And a lot of people are married, a lot of people are there, and they have no communication with one another. That's not a marriage. That's a miserable state. There has to be a communication between you and God. Exodus 20 and verse 5, you will not bow down to them and you will not serve them because I am Yahweh, your God, a jealous God. And he goes ahead and says, punishing those for a long time. How are we teaching our children to talk to God and to have God talk with them? If we don't get a communication going, you're not going to accomplish anything and God is just going to be a figment of our imagination or a Santa Claus out there that we're looking at. Wrong worship is one of the worst things we can do to our children. And Exodus 20 and 5 says, I'm going to give you a warning about false worship. False worship corrupts the mind. And if my mind is corrupted, my worship will be corrupted. If my worship is corrupted, then I corrupt the gospel of Christ. Galatians 1 tells us that they corrupted the gospel. And our children are going to suffer as well as theirs. I'm going to go very quickly here. There was a fellow by the name of King Uzziah, and he was a good king. I mean, he was a good king. And it tells about him over in 2 Chronicles 26, 18. And they stood against King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to Yahweh, but it is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have acted unfaithfully, There will be no honor for you from Yahweh God. Here is a man that is a king and he is usurping authority over the priests. He's in there offering what they're supposed to offer and he's doing it because this is the way I want to do my worship to God. And God says it's not really worship, it's wrong to usurp the authority. And in essence, the father stopped going to church. Now I'm putting the temple and everything, the tabernacle and all this, in the sense of the church. And the son had learned good things from his father. And he wanted to serve God. And he tried to do what God wanted him to, in Second Chronicles, and Jotham, his son, was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and the name of his mother was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok, and he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, only he did not go into the temple of Yahweh, but the people still acted corruptly. Now, corruption starts. Somebody tries to correct it. But the corruption continues. The grandson then picks up his grandfather's ways. And this is scary, Jordan. This is scary. He picks up the grandfather's ways. And we read, And Jotham slept with his ancestors, and they buried him in the city of David. And his son Asab, Ahaz became king in his palace. Look where he goes. In 2 Chronicles 28 too, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and also made molten idols for the Baals. The Baals are the false gods. He's got idols now. His grandfather started by departing a little bit. The, grand, the sons tries to correct it. Now we come down here to where it's going, the way of the people, and they've got false gods. This happens in families. And there was nothing. I want you to get this. And this is where America is. There was nothing sacred to this man. We read, then Ahaz gathered the objects of the house of God and he cut the objects of the house of God to pieces and he shut the doors of the house of Yahweh and made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. This is exactly where the country is going. That they are going to worship anything and everything other than God. God. And the only thing that's going to save this is that the church gets back in tune with God and preaches what God said to preach. That's how serious this is. And if we don't get that, we're in trouble. How far did it go? Compare America to this. In 2 Chronicles 28, 3, and he himself burned incense in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and burned his sons in the fire, that's he sacrificed his sons to the false gods according to the detestable practices of the nations whom Yahweh drove out before the Israelites. This is the people of God moving from the highest standard to that which is so ungodly. And it all starts in a family. We have a philosophy that if no one is hurt, it's okay. You cannot sin without someone getting hurt. It's an impossibility. And sin never hurts just one person the terrible effect on the sinner's children when we sow something we're going to reap something either good or evil when we rightly sow our family is going to prosper in psalm 12:1 and 2 blessed is the man who fears yahweh he takes great delight in his commandments his commands his descendants will be mighty in the land the generation of the upright will be blessed. And then in 1 Timothy 5 and 6, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a faith without hypocrisy which, from which some have deviated and have turned away into fruitless discussion. To properly teach the family, it begins with the leader of the family doing that which is right, whether it's a mother or a father and it's too late for your family, then help someone else. If you've made a mess in your family, then help somebody else. And if children still persuaded by you, then repent and start again. If you're here this morning, and you have walked away from God, or if you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, You have opportunity now. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my rest is to your soul. Do you believe that Jesus Christ the Son of God? Are you willing to change your ways, repent, change your mind, confess him to be the Christ, be baptized for the remission of sins? As you're baptized into the death of Christ, receiving the blood of Christ. And you're born again, won't you come?